guest who even knows. I'm your host, Amelie Millsness, and today, as a guest, I have my bestie, Annie Watts. Hello. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Woodstock, which I am so excited for. It's one of my favorite things. It's so fascinating. Like, I can't even b- believe it's real, to be honest with you. So, I'm just, I'm super excited to do this. Yay. <laughs> Let's get into, I guess, how this festival was formed. There was two people. So there's this guy named John Roberts, and he was, he's from New York City. He's a Wall Street guy, you know, and he has like a sort of like a small fortune. And he meets up with this other guy that's like, um, he's just got out of law school and they wanted to like go into some business venture together. And they met with, um, two other people that wanted to open a um, recording studio in Woodstock. And that's what they decided to do. And they decided to host this sort of festival. It's supposed to be like an arts and music festival, um, celebrating like the opening of the recording studio and to launch it. And it turned, eventually it turned to something way different. And it tur- it went, it got way out of their hands. So I'm going to talk about that later. It, but that's like the original idea. Yeah, so they, so for the event, they tried to do like a bunch of different properties, but a lot of them didn't work out. They finally like settled on this one, like in this little town called like Wallkill. Okay. It was um, not exactly in Woodstock, but it was fine, you know. Do you know where um, Wallkill is compared to Woodstock? I think it's a little bit south. I don't know. And one of the one of the partners, the one that came up with this like initial idea for the recording studio, he was like he was describing like the event the the land as like soulless or whatever because he was like a full out hippie. So it's basically like two guys that were sort of like you know like more on the eco- economic side and two guys that were more like you know super. I don't know how else to say it. You know what I mean though, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he, he described the land as, like, soulless or whatever, but it's fine, you know, like, so melodramatic. So the town officials of this small town, they signed off for, like, an art and music kind of deal. Like, there would be, like, a concert, and there'd be children running around. It'd be great for family, which it wasn't. It mm-hmm. wasn't. That that was not the case. It was not It was not okay for families. Um, that I'll say that, I'll say that right now. Um, so the whole point of Woodstock was they wanted to have, like, attraction to this um event in the recording studio so they they tried to like get on like big people like um bob dylan and all that stuff so it was a pretty big deal i think led zeppelin turned down the offer yeah there were a lot of people that turned it down mm-hmm. and they eventually got like bad some... for them. <laughs> yeah bad for them they're bad, but like there was there was a good amount of people that did sign on. There were like smaller groups and bigger groups. Like a lot of um, artists actually, they sort of gained popularity because of Woodstock, and it was really um, helpful for them. They so this is three months before the actual event, right? Right, right. They brought on like a whole lot of people that knew how to prepare an event. But a lot of these people were very like inexperienced, like the head of these people. Most people didn't know, you know, 
like they sort of did but i think like a lot of people at the head of it didn't really this other guy went to like a bunch of other events and he got this like clipboard and he got this stopwatch and he would time like people going in and out and and he multiplied it to like figure out how many like bathrooms they would need and it turns out they needed like a whole bunch of bathrooms and it's i mean eventually it would not be enough but again you know they published it in like alternative press like eventually it got really really popular and it was it was like in the rolling stones there was advertisements everywhere and then like all these hippies like all over the country they're like oh we should go to woodstock right right um i think tickets were like i can't I don't remember. I think it was either $3 a day or $6 a day. I think it's like $6 a day. And a lot of people got tickets. They're like, okay, we're going to go. You know, it's going to be fun. We're going to bring like maybe like a couple sleeping bags, get in the car. You know, there's a, there, but there are some people that actually like quit their jobs to attend. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it got a lot of traction. Okay. But the thing is, the people at Walk Hill, they were very, they were very, they were, they were a Republican conservative crowd. And so they're kind of like, hmm, these people with all their weed and their sex and their yuckiness, they, this is not something that should be, um, we're not going to condone this. This is yuckiness. Right. Um, because, you know, I, because small town people are like, conservatives are the worst, always. They're always, <laughs> I hate them. Um. Well, anyway, they passed this, like, because they didn't want these, like, quote-unquote people in their town. What actually happened was they saw, like, the certain types of people that they didn't want, like, on the site, building the site, and they got kind of freaked out. Like, young, I don't know what what it is that scared them, that they're vivacious, that they're, (laughs) that they're, you know. Well, anyway, they didn't want these people in the town, so they signed this, like, immediate ordinance basically saying that they can't hold an event with more than 5,000 people. And they were planning on like 250,000. They had to, in the middle of construction, they had to just like get themselves out of that property. And they had to find a new venue like ASAP because there's like a bunch of people that bought a bunch of tickets and um, they didn't really have a place to even have the festival at this point. So they were searching, they're getting into helicopters in the area, and they finally found this um, farmer, farmer named Mar- Max Yasger. He was okay. like a local farmer. He was also a Republican, which, you know, okay. whatever. We'll see. You know, we'll see. <laughs> I, I it's, it's interesting to me that, like, <laughs> they're getting all these properties in, like, Republican towns and, like, and that are owned by Republicans when this event is just so leftist. And when these people, yeah, yeah, it's but it was exactly what they wanted, you know, like the, the just a big space to have big space. It was like very pretty too, you know. The hippie guy was like, "This is the actual vibes that we need," or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <Mom vibes. laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, so less than four weeks before the event would take place, they had to start rebuilding the whole entire thing again. They, they, you know, it was hands-on. It was crunch time. Like, 
they were just literally just like scraping things together just to get it done at time. And there was a certain point where they they had to put it in like another 800k. Like they're basically going bankrupt to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And didn't um, it eventually become pretty much a free event as in they weren't tracking yeah. people. By the by like the last week um the const- like a guy that was working there or like a tr- construction guy or whatever it's like hey we don't have enough resources we don't have enough men to build up the like the stage and the fence so you're gonna have to choose between the stage and the fence because we can't do both and they were like okay let's weigh your options if we build um if we built the stage and not the fence we are literally gonna go bankrupt we're not gonna get any money mm-hmm. you know but if we build the fence and not the stage, there isn't even going to be a concert in the first place, and it's going to be just a complete mess. Right. So they had to say, okay, you know, all our money is going to go into the drain. This is it. We're going bankrupt. What's yeah. done is done. So eventually, by gaining popularity, they might have made some of that money back. No, they did not. No. <laughs> no that was it. No. That was it. <laughs> no, there's a certain point where, like, one of the guys is like, why don't we just pass around, like, a donation ba- basket, like, at church? <laughs> and see if- and then at that point, like, the-, the Wall Street guy was like, oh, my God, this is not, this is not gonna happen. <laughs> like, uh, like, all his, like, um, small, his small fortune, just gone. Gone. Yeah. And I think around that time, oh, and also... So for security, like I said, this is a hippie event. So right. it's a little bit different. So for security, they um, they hired a pig commune. <laughs> Wait a second. They hired a pig commune from, um, I don't know where they're from. I think New Mexico. <laughs> and... I'm not, I'm not kidding, like, and they've done, like, certain events before, and they're like, hey, can you be, like, and they were apparently, like, good at, like, calming down crowds, and so they were like, hey, can you, um, like, come over and, like, calm these crowds down, I guess, and they were like, fine, so, like, 85 members of this pig commune um, went on, like, a plane to go to Woodstock for security. (laughs) I actually have a little interview thingy mabooper that I'm going to show Okay, let's watch it. Yeah. What is the hog farm going to be doing in the Woodstock? Well, uh, the hog farm is a many-sided, uh, multi, uh, we're uh, kind of a family, a huge expanded family. And we could do any number of things because each one of us is going to do a different thing. But mostly we're just going to try and be groovy and uh, spread that grooviness through everybody. Oh, the hog farm has been hassled by security people, and they're calling you security people. So how do you feel about the, you know, the name? Well, I feel secure. I don't know what security people means. I never was called a security person before. In fact, you're the first person that's ever called me that. How do you feel? (laughs) Well, I feel... Do you feel secure? Um... So that was the security for what turned out to be like I see. Yeah. <laughs> security. Yeah, that's very great security, right? Yes. Amazing. Um it's groovy. Yeah, and they ended up being that 80 those 85 per- people ended up being security for an event with half a million people. 
That's wonderful. I think they probably were just in the crowd listening to the music along with the other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's just to kind of give you the feel about what's about to go down here. Um, and the, the reason why they brought these people on was because in previous um, festivals around the country, there was a lot of virus, <laughs> violence, um, and that usually happened between, like, the festival goers and the police. So they were like, why don't we try, like, a new form of this? Right. Uh, everyone thought they were, like, crazy, obviously, but I don't think, I don't know. I mean, and honestly, in a lot of big gatherings, there's a lot of violence just in a large gathering where there's police and especially since there was like a lot of tension between um that you know people that were participating in this counterculture and the police because of civil rights issues and stuff like that yeah. so like especially like in the context of this time period it's not as a bad idea as you think to like have these people as um security even though it doesn't seem like it yeah <clears throat> Okay, so, I don't know, one to two weeks before the event, or maybe like a week before the event, there were people that started to arrive to this place, right? Right. They were already like going through the fence. It was just like complete, <laughs> like, you know, just go for it. Yeah. And these people in these, and there's, you know, um, keep in mind, so there's like a, this is in a tiny town, and there's people that live in this tiny town, and they're just like watching this, and as, like, the ticket sales went up and up and up, like, more and more and more, um, they started getting, like, kind of nervous. Like, how big is this thing going to be, you know? Because it went from, like, 50K to 100K to 150K. And um, and you can see how many people that were starting to come in, like, a week before the event. And it was just, like, hordes of people. It looks like a caravan. Like, it's just insane. There were just people just walking down the road to the event for, like, miles. And just, like, a bunch of cars. There was, like, an insane amount of traffic. It was just completely full of people. And I think that's, like, pretty incredible, you know? Yeah, it's very incredible. Um, You know, and also because of, like, the lack of time for construction, caterers had to build their own food stands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Sh- was there enough food to go around? That is the question that will be answered later. Okay. But, um, <laughs> hint, hint, um, <laughs> uh, it's, it was a tricky situation. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was overcrowded, like, completely, but no one turned around. Like, it was just full of people, right. just, like, stock full. Um, people that went to the event, they were like, you know, these are like young people that just believed in what they believed in. And they all like love this type of music. And they were kind of at that point, sort of social rejects when it comes to just like traditional, like American values. And when they found like all these other people that were just like them, they're like, wow, this is like my community. This is where I feel safe. This is like people that believe in the same things that I believe in. And they already felt like they had this connection with everyone there. And so when you like, um, when people that already went to that event talk about it later, they're like, it felt like I was at home. 
Right. And I think that just emphasizes the importance of just um, being around people that you love and, you know, finding your own specified community. So now we're going to get into um, day one. So day one was folk day. Friday, August the 15th, 1969. Okay. There was so much traffic that they didn't know how to get, like, the musicians, like, into the actual event. Right. Like, there was no way, um... I'm that... sure people in the town, just with their small jobs and stuff, were just stuck in the traffic as well. And that, yeah. That was everyone. Really upsetting to a lot of people. It, it's, it was a freaking mess. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, like all these people are waiting this is just like already like so just far removed from what they were like initially thinking about mm-hmm. but Richie Havens was the first one to show up and they like they twisted his arm and be like hey man you got you gotta you gotta perform right now there's a bunch of people waiting and he didn't want to but they were like you know and so he did and he actually um he went on for about two hours and he created this song called Freedom on stage, which was a oh, hit. Crazy. Yeah, that's really crazy. And that performance like completely launches com- career. So it's this is pretty incredible. And after that, um, there's this guy named Sri Swami Sachidanada. I'm so sorry. Okay. I'm so sorry about that, but I'm going to read a quote. Um, My beloved brothers and sisters, I am overwhelmed with joy to see the entire youth of America gathered here in the name of fine art and music. In fact, through the music, we can work wonders. Music is a celestial sound, and it is the sound that controls the whole universe. No atomic vibrations, not atomic vibrations, sound energy sound power is much, much greater than any other power in the world. And one thing I would very much wish you all to remember is that with sound, we can make and at the same time break, even in the war field, to make the tender heart an animal. Sound is used. Without that war ba- without that war band, the terrific sound man will not become animal to kill his own brethren so that proves that you can break with sound and if we take care and if we care we can make also um that was wordy <laughs> that was very metaphorical i did not understand 100 percent of it but i understand the gist me neither but i wasn't gonna say anything <laughs> oh yeah it sounds pretty not sure what it means it means something <laughs> yeah you know sound is really important you know like it's an important moment in everyone's life when a child says his first word or the last word when people say the dying cries in war like it was talking about in there you know just sound is so important to everyone in our world right definitely yeah yeah wise words from annie Everyone quote Annie on that one. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so the set list that day was, oh my god, 
I don't even know any of these people, but I'm just going to say this just in case see some of y'all know. Bert Somar, Summer? No clue. Summer? Okay, Sweetwater. Melanie Safka. Um, it started raining during her performance. Um, huh? It started, it rained for a very long time. Yeah, it was like a drizzle when she was performing. Mm -hmm. And she wrote a song about it later called Lay Down Candles in the Rain because like a lot of people were lighting candles during during her performance and it was um, really pretty. And then we have Tim Harden, Robbie Shanker, Arlo Guthrie, and... um, Joan Bays, and during to and Joan Bays like was end of the night in a drizzle, and at the end of the night there was like a bunch there's a gazillion campfires all over the place, and you know it was really pretty. The whole thing was really pretty. I was gonna say something else. Oh yeah, and also t- that day they opened the food stands, and there was just like a crazy amount of people asking for food because you know hippies don't think of things. They don't think of things like food, so no one brought any food. So they were all, like, just overcrowding these food stands, and, like, people were, like, handing back, like, joints instead of money. <laughs> um, so that, you know, <laughs> I guess that's fitting. It's a good currency, you know. I think it's pretty good, especially, yeah. <laughs> okay, now, this is, this is when things sort of get a little hectic here. If it wasn't hectic beforehand, it's <laughs> get a little more hectic here. Okay. All right. Um, so now we get to go to day two, which is by far like the most eventful day of the festival. It's considered like rock and roll day. And um, by day two, the crowd grew by like 100,000 people. So now we're at 400k. Um, so the, the set list was Quill, Country Joe McDonald, John Sebastian, Keith Hartley Band, Santana, The Incredible String Band, Canned Heat, Mountain, The Grateful Dead, Credence, Clearwater Revival, Janis Joplin, uh, and Sly and the Family Stone. If that is any, if that's relevant to any of you, um, which it may or may not be. So by that day, people were started starting to like walk around and seeing like the other things that were going on on the site. And they developed like this two lane, like this um, informal two lane highway that people would walk across just to like get to different places. Okay. Um, and there, it was all it's so interesting because there were like food stamps. There were people like selling like random things like books or like homemade pottery or literally just like anything like there were just like random stands like people selling like I would do if like I was going to Woodstock I'd pack up all my handmade jewelry and just be like anyone want to buy some jewelry honestly yes that would have worked I mean (laughs) there's a lot of people I I would assume someone brought some money and yeah it was like a whole like freaking economy going on and during this festival okay like people were just selling stuff on their cars like it was pretty great yeah and people also set up shops in the woods like there was like people (laughs) this one guy that just set up like a joint shop in the woods that was like super popular you know and just just the woods at a concert to 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 buy some joints 
um, there was also a lot of people that decided to just go nude in the water. Because why not? And there was like this interview of this guy talking about it. And he was like, I was young, you know, I was 17 when I saw it. And he said like, oh, it, it was interesting because it's not something that w felt sexual at all. It felt like like just people. Okay. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it makes sense. But I think it's pretty cool because, I don't know, when I like listened to that, I was kind of like, I don't know. I feel like right now, whenever we talk about bodies, it's always like in the sexual way. And sometimes I just want to be like, hey, you know, your body, it digests food. And that's pretty cool. Right. And you can like cool. walk and jump and stuff. Americans are pretty self-conscious about it, you know. Other yeah. countries around the world are less so. I mean, the, everyone is to a certain extent. Yeah. Also us especially, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that was like the thing that was so beautiful about it because during Woodstock, no one really cared about any of that stuff. It was like a completely different thing. Um, <clears throat> what's the next thing? I don't know. Yeah, so the hog farm. Oh, it wasn't a pig farm. It's a hog farm. Sorry, guys. Wrong terminology. My bad. It's <laughs> They're called the hog farm. They were a hog farm. Um, they were set up in the woods as well. And there was also kids there. Okay. Like, all over the place. There was, you know, tents that people set up just around like said, the property. Probably not the best place for kids. Yeah, it's yeah. not. That's the point. I don't know why there'd be kids there. Then again, uh, from the photos I've seen with all of that mud, I would have loved it as a kid. I used oh to my God, up in the mud and roll in the mud. Like, so many images of, like, just, like, butt-naked children just, like, running around, like, unsupervised. I swear. It's just, the, it's craziness. Um, yeah, and there were, like, those, like, stereotypical painted buses that you always, like, associate with, like, hippies. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool, you know? Yes. I feel like that's such a staple. I didn't even know that was real. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so the security, they were doing pretty well, you know? Um, yeah. you know, the, the head guy of people. The, I didn't I didn't mention this before, but like the head guy that we we're listening to before, mm -hmm. his name is um, what's his name? Give me one second. It's it's worth it. Wavy Gravy. They called him Wavy Gravy, right? Okay, Wavy Gravy. So Wavy Gravy had like a kazoo that he just <laughs> blow <laughs> whenever, okay. he was, like around blowing this kazoo, and I think he threatened to like spray people with seltzer if they misbehaved or something. Okay. Um, and also, you have to think about, like, people were using, like, a lot of drugs, right? Um, yes. um, just because I think a lot of, like, the stuff that, like, these people did was just to be, like, the opposite of who their parents were or the sort of ideals that they came from. Mm -hmm. And so if their parents were, like, hey, you shouldn't, like, smoke weed, you shouldn't do, like, um, hallucinogenics or whatever, they'd be, like, well, F that, I'm going to, you know? So there's a lot of people that had, um, that did that sort of thing. And there, and when you do that sort of thing, a lot of the time you have, like, some bad trips, you know? And so, um, the hog farm, they set up tents where people could go if they were having a bad trip. 
and other people would like help them and tell them like, oh, it's okay, you know, it's gonna be fine, it's gonna end in a little bit. And when they finally calmed down, um, the person taking care of them would tell the person that just calmed down, uh-huh. take care of the next person coming in. Right? <laughs> and so it would like circulate. It was like a tap in, tap out sort of system. Right. Okay. Uh, and I think it's just like so cool that someone <laughs> just did that like without any planning. Like that's pretty freaking cool, you know? School should have this system. Yeah. Huh? School should have this system. You know what? You're I right? think. I think that would work. <laughs> yes. Um, and here's, here's, here's the thing. They didn't have enough medical personnel to take care of everyone. Cause you like, there's like 500, there ended up being like 500,000 people there and there's gonna be problems, you mm-hmm. know, with that amount of people. It's like a, basically the size of a city mm-hmm. and there's going to be issues and they did not have enough medical. They were running out of medical supplies for these people like all together and it was like it was definitely a situation um in and out of the concert with food and medical supplies like were they recruiting people to bring them these um, items so the governor wanted to send in the national guard because they thought it was a dangerous situation they 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 flew in military helicopters and 45 doctors um, arrived at the scene. Like, they weren't paid to just volunteer and take care of these kids, because they're basically kids. Right. So now we have the army involved, and, and there was, like, this video of people being like, okay, I know you don't like the military, but these are the good guys. Yeah. <laughs> these are the good guys, and they're here to take care of you, and they support us, and everyone, and the whole crowd's like, yay! It's just <laughs> a real thing. <laughs> um... Yeah, so they figured it out, and also, there was, like, this sort of situation where people, you know, what if you lost your friend at this concert? It's just humongous, right? right. And, um, so you just lose people, or, like, there'd be parents being concerned, like, okay, where's my child? Is my child okay? Because I'm seeing on the news that they're sending in, like, army helicopters, you know? Yeah. Or whatever. Um, eventually find people to be honest yeah so the only system that they had was the sound system so in between like songs and stuff (laughs) like people would send messages like to the stage and like an announcer would be like hey like bethany your mom is staying at this hotel and she wants you to call her like just for like over everyone (laughs) (laughs) and it kept happening and also like the information center the information booth became this sort of like informal place to like post messages for other people Uh and they're like looking for someone else or something like that so it became like this whole and i think that's what's so fascinating about woodstock is because it's a festival but in reality it kind of turned into this whole entire system like this whole entire community you know right it's almost like a little city like you said earlier they had they developed like the the kind of the pathways that they would walk on right the road yeah. and then the information booth the it was their own it was their own economy it was like their own everything right and um, i don't know where i read this but at a certain point because because of the like grand amount of people that was like attending this event people you know upped the price on food naturally uh-huh and a lot of people were pissed about that so they started lighting food stands on fire 
And uh, as, one, as one does when they face prices on food. And Wavy Gravy had to be like, hey, maybe you shouldn't light things on fire, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Let's cut that out. <laughs> um, I, I say this because there was a point during that same day, very same day, where they ran out of food. There was yeah. no more food. Like, they, they legit ran out of food. Like, there was no more food there. And mm -hmm. the food trucks couldn't arrive there because of the freaking traffic. Right. Right? And so, um, so the, these local townspeople, they're like, oh, no. <laughs> the children. They have no food. We're going to go into our own pantries and we're going to donate food to the this children. The same townspeople who were originally scared of like all the hippies, right? Yeah, they were they were a little bit nervous of the hippies, yes. But they were like, Oh my gosh, we've gotta take care of these people. These children are starving. Right. And they're <laughs> and so they donated like anything that they had in like their fridge or whatever. Well, you can see there it helps connect society as well. Yeah. Just by simply running out of food, there are these people, the local townspeople who might not agree with um, the people at the concert on a many different levels, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's like the simple necessities helped bring people together. I don't know if they necessarily like agreed or disagreed. I think it was just like an overwhelming experience for them because all they're used to is just like this tiny town in the middle of like, you know, the Northeast. Mm -hmm. But definitely, I think. Um, it just becomes more and more apparent as this goes on. Like, the whole system was, okay, you help me, I help you. We're giving, like, to each other right. and supporting each other. And in that way, we're going to make this work. And that's sort of the, that's their whole ideology. That's what they believe in. And so seeing that it happen with, like, no violence, by the way, that's incredible. It's, it is incredible. And it proves their point, you know? Yes. Well, anyway, so they sent in the food by helicopter, again, because of the traffic. So, mm -hmm. and everyone, again, everyone was just, like, sharing food. They were just passing it down to people that they didn't even know, you know? And it's, it's great. Um... Yeah, music went on from the afternoon to, like, really late at night. And The Who played until the morning. Like, it was technically, technically they played, like, on um, Sunday, but it was really, like, Saturday night and just kind of ran into Sunday. Mm -hmm. So, um, and also Sly and the Family Stone. Right. That being said, we're going to go into... Day three, the final day, August 17th. Okay. Uh, set, set list is, again, technically The Who at 6.05 in the morning. <laughs> um, Jefferson Airplane around 8 a.m. And also after that, the farmer that was, um, well, his property, you know, the Woodstock was, okay. he gave this speech that I'm going to play for y'all. Okay. I'm a farmer. I don't know. 
know how to speak to 20 people at one time, let alone a crowd like this. But I think you people have proven something to the world. Not only to town of Bethel or Sullivan County or New York State, you've proven something to the world. This is the largest group of people ever assembled in one place. We have had no idea that there would be this size group. And because of that, you had quite a few inconveniences as far as water and food and so forth. Your producers have done a mammoth job to see that you're taken care of. They enjoy a lot of thanks. But above that, the important thing that you've proven to the world is that a half a million kids, and I call you kids because I have children how old than you are, a half a million young people can get together and have three days of fun and music and have nothing but fun and music, and I God bless you for it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really great, well, it's a good speech, short, but effective. Short, but effective. Yeah, yeah, it's just this, like, small town farmer guy that has no idea what's going on in reality, and he's like, wow, this is really interesting, you know? Um, and obviously, and also, like, the fact that he's, like, a, has, like, different um, political views, and you can still see how incredible it was. Yeah. I think that's really, that's that really great. It just shows um, the impact that Woodstock had on a lot of people. Yeah. Um, okay, so the rest of the set list with Joe Cock Cocker, um, Country Joe and the Fish, 10 years after their equipment failed because of the high humidity, apparently, the band, Johnny Winter, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, Paul Butterfield, I don't know. Paul Butterfield Blues Band. Sha na na. Sha na na. And last but not least, in the slightest, Jimi Hendrix. So it's a morning, and at this point, people are just exhausted, my guy. People right. are just out of it. They've been up for like forever. And so you just see people just like sleeping in the freaking grass all over the place. Like Look, I couldn't even pull like that one all nighter we did. You know, I was already dead after that. I know. <laughs> we did pull a lot of all nighters and we'd be just completely exhausted. Imagine two nights could never. Two nights or more for some of these people. Yeah. Like, no, I couldn't. I just face plant by. And but also, like, one and a half days. <laughs> also, these people in the front, a lot of them didn't even get any food because they didn't want to lose their spots. Spot. So they hadn't been eating for, like, two days. <laughs> Which, I don't, like, my guy. I was gone for the food. I mean, I'm not going to starve. Mm -mm. I'll give so, up my spot. <laughs> way the gravy and the hog farm. Uh-huh. Um, they gave out a sort of... I'm, this is a direct quote, a BNB sort of thing, and okay. they served out, like, a lot of people, like, with the donations, they just served out, like, random amounts of food, like, like, oats, you know, milk, yogurt, all these random things, there was a, there's one person that was just giving out, like, boiled eggs, 
you know, <laughs> it, it was just, that was their breakfast and it was not fancy or anything, but it was definitely, uh, it was a um, community effort. Yes. It was a community effort. And okay. And this is when we get the rain day three, the rain. And if anything, and if anyone knows anything about Philistock, you know, that it was, it was some quite it was definitely pretty wet. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was, like a huge mud bath. it was, it was a risk. It was a hazard because technically if they didn't, cover up their equipment in time they could just mass electric like electrocute the, the crowd right. and so they had to just scramble to cover up all of the equipment and um and there were also kids that were just like sitting up on those light stands like hundreds and hundreds of feet above the ground and they'd be like you know you have to get down from there because there's a freaking yeah. thunderstorm that's gonna happen and so you know they're all trying to prepare when it started to rain, there were a lot of people that tried to, like, cover up under, like, blankets that quickly got wet or, like, just, like, plastic sheets or whatever. But there were a bunch of people that were, like, F it, you know? I'm just going to roll around in the mud and do some cartwheels. That would be me. That, that would, would definitely be me. Are you kidding? <laughs> I would just be covered in mud. Honestly. And people are just, like, having a blast. Like, you see these pictures of these people just, like, rolling around doing like random stuff like they're completely covered in mud it's just great i just love it i just love it yes so the very last performance was by Jimi hendrix and by the, by the time he went on stage a lot of people had left already just because you know they had like jobs on monday morning or like they were just like freaking tired because it was like something very eventful obviously and so only like, tw how many people saw um, Jimi Hendrix? 25,000? Oh, that's a huge decrease in the amount of people. Yeah. And yeah, so a lot of people had left by then. And that's disappointing because he, um, he put on this performance of this, I don't know if you know this, of the Star Spangled Banner. Okay. And why this was so important and so deep and so impactful is that the way he did it on his electric guitar, it emulated the sounds of missiles and bombs and people screaming in the Vietnam War. That's the only way I can describe it. And once, once you know that's what you're listening to, it's just, it's just, it's kind of emotional. I gotta be honest. Yeah. If you guys want to listen to the full thing, I'm going to play it as outro, outro music. I really suggest it. It's pretty crazy. So just, just stick around for that, definitely. So for the aftermath, <laughs> I guess you could call it the aftermath. Obviously, everything was a mess. And this farmer's sight was absolutely true. true. It was just beyond recovering, my guy. There was trash everywhere. Like, I feel kind of bad for the farmer because he basically sacrificed his land for this event. Right. But did he gain any popularity after Woodstock? I think... Just well, a little bit? Maybe. I don't know. I think, um... I think he just felt so, um... I think I saw something on this earlier where he just felt so... I guess, like, in awe of what happened, that he wasn't even mad. 
He wasn't even mad. He wasn't even mad. It's like this is I don't just know, he seemed pretty happy during his speech. He seemed in awe during that as well. Yeah, exactly. I think that was kind of like I think he already he knew that his land was just kind of completely gone. Uh-huh. And you know, a lot of people just like stuck around to like pick up trash, you know, and be That's good. Yeah. I was about to say <laughs> horrible for the environment. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of people didn't want to leave, you know, because they were like, wow, I, f- I finally found my place. I finally found my community. I finally found people that think like me. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't want to go, but they they had to. And eventually, and the, and the traffic going out was like even worse than traffic going in. Like, like, I, did any of them like reconnect with other people who are at Woodstock? I don't know. I don't think anybody shared anything. I think it was just like this communal like sense of belonging. Right. There's obvious, I think you can, like, uh, I don't know, because how would you even do that? I forgot, and later, this would be painted by the media as just, like, at some point, like, a complete disaster because of the food shortage and the water um, shortage and all of that, but, like, for the people there, it was definitely not that. No. And I think other people could see that, you know, yes, there were problems, but... How many people were there? 400,000, you said? Uh, about like half a million, so five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand ish. Five hundred thousand people gathered together on a farm. Assume there would be some issues, right? Yeah, and there were none. And I think that's why it's just so. I don't know. It's one of my. It's one of my favorite um, historical things. Historical events. I don't know if it could be considered a historical event, but to me, it I is. I think it would be considered. A historical yeah. Event. Definitely. I think so. I think it's, and it's also left like a mark on on today's society and musicians right now and musicians to come. Definitely, you know, and also it's just a great thing for music in itself. Like without like the politics and stuff, it great music, just people coming together. Yeah. So. Yeah. That is. Woodstock. A lot of information to take in. A lot of information to take in. I was was trying to absorb. (laughs) I know. It's fine. I mean, (laughs) there is a lot of stuff to cover with this topic. Yes, and I'm sure there are loads more and tons of stories and personal stories out there. Exactly. Exactly. I honestly, I'm telling y'all the bare minimum. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. I am. Um, but yeah, that's Woodstock. Uh, thank you guys for listening, you know. Um, I hope you enjoy. You know, if you like this episode, we come out with a new one every single Friday. You can follow us at on Instagram at who even knows underscore the podcast. Just no capital, just straight out. So yeah, thanks you guys. Thank Bye. You. Thank <laughs> you.